Hello and welcome to Hong Kong Heritage, which this week comes from Sham Shui Po, one of my favourite districts of Hong Kong. It's working class, it's vibrant, and it hasn't been gentrified yet. My guides over the next two programmes are Olivia Tang and Hedda Kickerboy of Walk in Hong Kong, an organisation that provides a variety of heritage walks across the territory. Olivia Tang grew up in the district. So this is that blue street. Every time I come here. Uh, I get very excited because there's always something interesting and new to see here. Uh, I grew up actually just right across the street.、Uh, we came out of Exit A, and I grew up in Exit B. And my grandma actually used to live on right this building at the street corner, and she used to own a、uh, little life manufacturing, what we call the cottage factory, that puts the buttons and the buttonhole to clothes and shirts. Uh, so this is actually an important place for her. Why? Because、uh, as we all know,、uh, Abu Street is famous for electronic goods, electrical appliances, and second-hand tools and equipments. So whenever there's something that broke in her factory, she would send the guy to come down here to buy the supply.、Uh, and so I would sometimes follow along and to tag along my dad or maybe the、uh, the fixer guy in the factory to yeah,、um, to come here and roam around. Um, so Abu Street, actually, the name is interesting in itself. Abu,、uh, translated to English, means duck cage. As we look around, there's no no, no ducks around inside. How come there is the name duck cage、uh, street?、Uh, it's because in the 1900s, this actually this whole area used to be farmland. It's by the waterfront.、Uh, it's farmland. There are duck cages and also some villages. Um, and how come we would know this actually used to be、uh, a bunch of duck cages? It's because in the 1900s, when the colonial government、um, start surveying this area, they produce very detailed map, so we could actually pinpoint where the duck cages are. In 1910, there's actually a health organization report that、um, talk about this area and said the duck cages、um, is low lying. This area is low lying, so it's not good for building a water drainage system.、Uh, hence, the recommendation is to、uh, reclaim the area and also level it off for later、uh, residential building. There's、uh, all sorts going on. There's、uh, electronics being sold,、yeah. uh, market day as usual.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, Olivia, you were saying that your your family basically grew up in this、yeah. area, so you know it very well. Our family grew up here、uh, at different areas. So my mom,、uh, the bo- building I pointed out、uh, at the street corner,、uh, she grew up there, and my dad grew up、uh, closer to the Prince Edward side.、Um, but they're both、uh, immigrant families. So my dad came,、uh, my grandpa、uh, took him、uh, from our hometown,、uh, Kaiping,、uh, which、here. is where in Guangdong.、Or? Which is in Guangdong, yeah,、um, and came here in the nineteen、uh, well nineteen fifties, early nineteen fifties. And actually, this area has a lot of our how to call it, Hongley, which means our、uh, hometown of like the the, the neighbors.、Um, so this this Sham Shui Po back in the days when there are a lot of immigrants who came here, there's a lot of Siyi、uh, people. So it's from Kaiping, Anping,、uh, Taishan. So they speak Thai、uh, Thai Chinese.、Uh, so I used to be able to. Understand a bit、uh, of Thai Chinese, and, and now that like my grandparents are all deceased, I don't have as much chance to hear it.、Uh, so, but sometimes when you walk by, you can hear the older like shopkeepers or maybe the older ladies who like、um, pick recyclables from the streets. They would speak、uh, Thai Chinese as well. So Thai Shan Chinese. Thai Shan Chinese, yes. 
And how does that differ? Is it a completely oh, different it's dialect? Completely different. Yeah. <laughs> so it is also it is completely different. It's different from very different from Cantonese. Uh, and some of the phrases that I pick up that I still remember usually are the ones that my grandma yelled at me. At, like for example, like "silahun" <laughs> or "jackdoni." What is that when you were being naughty? Yeah, when I was being naughty, but I never something about like very literal and something about like sure like you're like poop or something like that it, it actually Avenue Street has undergone a lot of transformation um, so used to sell more the second hand products uh, but now these stores usually sell the gadgets like cell phone cases or LED lights actually recently there are more sports gears like uh, bike gear uh, but down that way toward uh, uh, Yan Chao Street they're actually more that sell second-hand products. And actually, we have reached Quailin Street. And at night, the stores would close and the um, hawking control would have gone off duty. So there would be night flea market that goes on here, uh, that there will be multiple stores that people just lay the cloth on the floor and sell second-hand uh, gadgets and also maybe some electrical appliances or even some toys or clothing or CD, etc. Now we're going to visit a... Tong Lao. A Tong Lao is a Chinese building, uh, but specifically in the Hong Kong context, it's a building uh, with a balcony or veranda that projects over the full width of the pavement. So that provides an arcaded walkway, and that's a very nice thing, both visually and also to pedestrians to, to the neighborhood, because the arcaded walkway gives shade. It provides protection from the sun, from the rain, from th- thunderstorms and the like. Uh, also, this bit that's covered is another social space. Uh, when I was small in the 80s, I remember walking through, walking under these uh, covers, and you would find lots of newspaper vendors, you would find hawkers uh, selling different things. And this space is also... Well, a little spot where people can can stop and mingle, and uh, my grandmother, who will be 89 next month, in fact, uh, she grew up in Wan Chai, uh, not Sham Shui Po. But in in the past in Hong Kong, uh, there were Tong Laos everywhere, and she told me when she was little, she would play uh, hopscotch with her friends in one of these walkways. She would actually uh, draw draw out the boxes uh, herself with a piece of chalk. Uh, that, that was something possible in the 30s. Uh, passers-by uh, didn't, didn't bother them. Uh, they, they would let the kids uh, make up their own games uh, in this arcade of walkways. And I think that's something quite sweet. And obviously that's something impossible now because it's too crowded everywhere. This structure is the only surviving building from a group of 32 such buildings built in the 1920s, so from almost a century ago. In this area or generally? In this area. Uh, what happened was in the 1920s, the government wanted to urbanise this area and together with our local uh, businessmen, they put 32 such uh, buildings, uh, Tong Laos, uh, so ch- Chinese buildings uh, with arcade walkways in this area, 32 of them. At the same time, a market uh, started to develop in this area. So very quickly, this became a very bustling neighborhood. And that, that's uh, still what we, we've got today, what, what we're enjoying today. Uh, but going to the 50s, uh, as the population really boomed, 
because there were a big influxes of refugees coming from the mainland after the communist takeover in 1949 and then there was the great leap forward and then the famine and the cultural revolution in the 60s so as more and more people moved into this area and this was a cheap and like easy area to settle in these old buildings because they were only three or maximum four story uh, tall uh, they, they, they couldn't house too many people so they have to be knocked down and uh, in the place you have higher rises uh, but this uh, structure has stayed uh, it's almost a hundred year old now uh, it's a treasure it's a grade two uh, building it's not a declared monument so if some property developer uh, buys it out uh, they can knock it down without any legal consequences well, that, would, that would be tragic wouldn't it it would be tragic I, I, I'm not saying every single old building has to be preserved because that's absolute nonsense but uh, I'm a great believer that physical things in, in our landscape they, they hold memories if you're an elderly person, for instance, you've moved out of the area where you grew up, where you got married, have kids, where you made your money. You, you moved out, but some years later you came back. If you see a landmark or even just a little shop, a sign even from your, your childhood, that immediately will bring you back lots of memories. And I think very often in Hong Kong these days we have lost these uh, links uh, to the past. Uh, and I think a, a city that has no reminders of uh, how it used to be is it, it, a sad place, it's a boring place. So if listeners want to come and see this Tong Lao, what, what roads is it on? Okay, this is uh, Pei Ho Street. Uh, it's one of the main streets in Sham Shui Po because of the uh, market building and, and the stores around. Uh, we are now standing at the junction of uh, Pei Ho Street and Tainam Street. So the building is right on the corner of, uh, of these two streets. What's it used for these days? Sure. Uh, there's a Chinese uh, medicine store. It's been here since the 70s. Uh, previously, it was a pawn shop. The old man who uh, works in this, uh, who owns this Chinese medicine shop, uh, he recalled that in the 70s, 80s, uh, it was making good money, trade was very good, especially at Chinese New Year. Uh, because in those days, uh, you could say people follow traditional Chinese customs more, more strictly, more faithfully. And between family members, you, at Chinese New Year, you would exchange gifts of dried Chinese mushrooms, for instance, and other ingredients that are considered healthy. Yeah. He, he would have to do uh, overtime well into the wee hours of the morning and I'm packing dried Chinese mushrooms into little packets so, so they can be uh, sold nicely as presentable gifts. I said that there used to be 32 such buildings. Uh, this is the only one left. They were all three stories. But across Hong Kong, you, you, you ha they, they come in different shapes and sizes, but uh, they, they never really exceed four stories. But one, one other important thing to... Uh, point out about this kind of uh, architecture is uh, just now I said they are Tong Laos but Tong Lao is just how, how they these buildings are known colloquially Tong Lao Tong Laos mean Chinese buildings but to de really describe the, the function the, the layout of these buildings uh, I should call them ch Chinese shop houses 
downstairs on the ground floor you've got the shop space upstairs or in the back you've got the living quarters uh, of, of the owner and his family uh, sometimes on the second floor uh, that's where the staff uh, they, they can go for, for a rest and the next level up that's storage and in this particular example there's a Tong Lao with a Chinese medicine shop uh, below on top floor they, they grow some plants as well and this kind of Chinese traditional shop houses they can be found in, in Hong Kong and in, in Macau and Penang and Singapore uh, but obviously in Hong Kong we've got very few of these examples left if you look at Singapore for instance they, they've got a different conservation policy and actually the tourism uh, people in the Singaporean government they they are proud of uh, this kind of architecture uh, be, because they, they're very much part of, of their history the heritage landscape uh, I think it was in the 80s uh, they started to come up with a policy to uh, conserve these buildings because uh, their tourism numbers were dropping people were complaining that Singapore was just like any other yeah. big international city so that's also what Hong Kong has to be wary of yeah uh, but Singapore they they were smarter if you like they they realized that problem very, very early on 30 years ago but, so they started systematically doing something to to keep these buildings because they know actually they can be turned into a kind of treasure t tourism resource if you like so now I'm, I'm a young person I, I've never lived in a building like this my how, mom, how old are you? I'm 33 my mum has and my mum is a great storyteller she has told me lots of brilliant uh, crazy stories from her childhood and some of them happen in, in, in a structure like this so when I see a building like this I can make perfect sense of what my mum has been telling me <laughs> since I was a child and I feel a new kind of, of loyalty, affection for my city and it also makes me feel closer to my mother. My thanks to Olivia Tang and Hedda Kickerboy of Walk in Hong Kong. Next week I talk to them about Boundary Street, the old police station and the director John Wu. And I also visit an exhibition with Chloe Lai of the heritage organisation Urban Living that tells the stories of the people of Sham Shui Po. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>